Chapter Twenty Four of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Minister's Call. Rosemary, Grandmother called imperiously, but there was no answer. Rosemary, she cried shrilly. She ain't here, Ma," said Matilda. "I reckon she's gone out somewheres." Did you ever see the beat of it? She's getting high and mighty all of a sudden this makes twice lately that she's gone out without even tellin' us let alone askin whether she could go or not just wait till she comes back matilda laughed in her most aggravating manner i reckon we'll have to wait she retorted as long as we don't know where she's gone and when she's comin back just wait repeated grandmother ominously i'll tell her a thing or two you just see if i don't the fires of her wrath smouldered dully ready to blaze forth at any moment matilda waited with the same sort of pleasurable excitement which impels a child to wait under the open window of a house in which there is good reason to believe that an erring playmate is about to receive punishment what's she been doin all day grandmother demanded nothing more than usual i guess matilda replied she did up the work this morning and got dinner and washed the dishes and went to the store and when she come back she was up in the attic for a spell and then she went out without saying where she was going in the attic what was she doing in the attic i don't know i'm sure she's got no call to go to the attic if i want her to go up there i'll tell her so this is my house yes returned matilda with a sigh i've heard tell that it was hum grunted grandmother for an hour or more there was silence not peaceful but tense for grandmother was thinking of things she might say to the wayward rosemary then the culprit came in cheerfully singing to herself and unmindful of impending judgment rosemary yes grandmother what is it come here rosemary obeyed readily enough though she detected warlike possibilities in the tone set down i've got something to say to you i have something to say to you too grandmother rosemary replied taking the chair indicated by the shaking forefinger for the first time in her life she was not afraid of the old lady i've noticed grandmother began tremulously that you're getting high and mighty all of a sudden you've gone out twice lately without askin if you might go and i won't have it do you understand i hear you the girl answered is that all no tain't all you don't seem to have any sense of your position here you are a poor orphan beholden to your grandmother for every mouthful you eat and all the clothes you wear and if you can't behave yourself better an you've been doin you shan't stay a faint smile appeared around the corners of rosemary's mouth then vanished very well grandmother she answered demurely rising from her chair i'll go whenever you want me to shall i go now set down commanded the old lady i'd like to know where you'd go i'd go to mrs marsh's i think she'd take me in you've got another think coming then grandmother sneered didn't i tell you to set down yes returned rosemary coolly but i'm not going to i said i had something to say to you 
i'm going to be married next week to alden marsh i've taken enough of the money my father left me to buy a white dress and a new hat and the storekeeper has sent to the city for me for some white shoes and stockings i'm going to have some pretty underwear too and a grey travelling dress i've just come from the dressmaker's now money screamed the old lady so that's what you've been doing in the attic you're a thief that's what you are your mother was stop said rosemary her voice was low and controlled but her face was very white not another word against my mother you've slandered her for the last time i am not a poor orphan beholden to my grandmother for the food i eat and the clothes i wear on the contrary you and aunt matilda are dependent upon me and have been for a good many years i have father's letter here do you care to read it shaken from head to foot the old lady sank into her chair she was speechless but her eyes blazed matilda sat by the window dumb with astonishment this was not at all what she had expected rosemary had drawn a yellow old letter from the recesses of her brown gingham gown and was offering it to grandmother the sight of it had affected the old lady powerfully very well rosemary was saying as she returned the letter to its hiding-place in case you've forgotten i'll tell you what's in it the day father sailed up the coast he sent you a draft for more than eleven thousand dollars he said it was for me for my clothes and my education in case anything happened to him he said that you were to give me whatever i might want or need as long as the money lasted i'll leave it to you whether you've carried out his instructions or not now that i'm going to be married i've taken the liberty of helping myself to a small part of what is my own there's almost two thousand dollars left and you're quite welcome to it but i won't be married in brown gingham nor go to my husband in ragged shoes and if i think of anything else i want i'm going to have it ma said matilda tremulously if this is so we ain't done right by rosemary it's so rosemary continued turning toward the figure at the window you can read the letter if you want to she put her hand to her breast again but matilda shook her head if you want me to go the girl went on i'll go now mrs marsh will take me in but i'll have to explain why i ask it i haven't told alden or his mother and i don't want to i won't bring shame upon those of my own blood if i can help it but what i've had i've earned and i don't feel indebted to you for anything not even a single slice of bread that's all grandmother staggered to her feet breathing heavily her face was colourless her lips ashen grey rosemary star she said with long pauses between the words i'll never speak to you again as long as i live then she fell back into her chair with her hand upon her heart very well grandmother rosemary returned shrugging her shoulders you'll have to do as you like about that by supper-time the household was calm again upon the surface true to her word grandmother refused to communicate directly with rosemary she treated the girl as if she might a piece of furniture unworthy of attention except in times of actual use she conveyed her wishes through matilda as a sort of human telephone matilda she would say will you ask rosemary to fill the teapot with hot water and again 
matilda will you tell rosemary to put out the milk pitcher and to lock the back door it was not necessary however for matilda to tell rosemary the girl accepted the requests as though they had been given directly with her head held high and the faintest shadow of an ironical smile upon her face after supper while rosemary was washing the dishes grandmother took the lamp she was halfway to the door when matilda inquired where are you going ma i'm going up to my room to set and read a spell but-but the lamp i need it to read by grandmother announced with considerable asperity and you don't need to hunt around for no more lamps neither i've got em all put away but matilda objected me and rosemary you and rosemary humph you can set in the dark or anywhere else you please with that she slammed the door and was gone rosemary came in after a little humming to herself with an assumed cheerfulness she was far from feeling then she went out into the kitchen and came back with a match the feeble flicker of it revealed only aunt matilda and no lamp where's grandmother asked rosemary in astonishment and what has become of the lamp she's gone up to her room and she's took the lamp with her matilda laughed hysterically rosemary brought in the candle from the kitchen as it happened it was the last candle and was nearly gone but it would burn for an hour or two i'm sorry aunt matilda said rosemary kindly if you want to read or anything i don't she interrupted i'd like to sit and talk a spell i don't know as we need the candle if she should happen to come back she'd be mad she said she'd put away the lamps and i reckon she'd have took the candle too if she'd thought very well answered rosemary blowing out the candle i'm not afraid of the dark moreover it was not the general policy of the household to ruffle grandmother's temper unnecessarily rosemary said aunt matilda a little later ma's a hard woman she always has been yes the girl agreed listlessly i ain't never said much but i've had my own troubles i've tried to bear em patiently but sometimes i ain't been patient she's always made me feel so ugly rosemary said nothing but she felt a strange softening of her heart toward aunt matilda i don't know as you'll believe me the older woman went on after a pause but i never knew nothing about that money i know you didn't aunt matilda it's behind a loose brick in the chimney in the attic on the right-hand side you have to stand on a chair to reach it if you want any of it go and help yourself it's mine and you're welcome to it as far as i'm concerned i don't know what i'd want returned matilda gloomily i ain't never had nothin and i've sort of got out of the habit i did used to think that if it ever come my way i'd like a white straw hat with red roses on it but i'm too old for it now tears of pity filled rosemary's eyes and a lump rose in her throat aunt matilda's deprivations had been as many as her own and had extended over a much longer period the way of escape was open for rosemary but the older woman must go on hopelessly until the end it was sixteen years ago to-night said aunt matilda dreamily that the minister come to call was it asked rosemary she did not know what else to say i thought maybe you'd remember it but i guess you was too little you was only nine and you used to go to bed at half past seven it was five minutes of eight when he come was it asked rosemary again 
yes don't you remember hearing the doorbell ring no i must have been asleep children go to sleep awful quick it was five minutes of eight when he come were you expecting him no i wasn't he'd said to me once on the way out of church after sunday school miss matilda i must be comin' over to see you some one of these pleasant evenings with your kind permission just like that he says with your kind permission i was so flustered i couldn't say much but i did manage to tell him that ma and me would be pleased to see him any time and what do you suppose he said i don't know answered rosemary he said it's you i'm comin' to see not your ma just like that it's you her voice had a new note in it a strange thrill of tenderness and so she went on after a pause he come i was wearin my brown alpaca that i just finished i tried it on after supper to see if it was all right and it was so i kept on wearin it though ma was tellin me all the time to take it off her and me had just cleaned the parlor that day it couldn't have happened better and when the bell rang i went to the door myself were you surprised my land yes i'd thought maybe he'd come but not without tellin me when or askin for permission as he'd said he come in and took off his hat just like he was expected and he shook hands with ma and me he only said how do you do miss star to her but to me he says i'm glad to see you miss matilda how well you're looking yes just like that we went and sat down in the parlor i'd cleaned the lamp that day too it was the same lamp moss took upstairs with her now it was on the centre table by the basket of wax flowers under the glass shade they was almost new then and none of em was broken they looked awful pretty ma came in the parlor too and she sat down between him and me and she says i've been wantin to ask you something ever since i heard your last sermon three weeks ago come sunday i ain't been to church since and i can't feel like i ought to go i'm sorry he says just as gentle if you have any doubts that i can clear up he says about the scripture tain't the scripture i'm doubtin says ma it's you that isn't as bad he says smilin but i could see he was scared you know how ma is especially when you ain't used to her i'd like to ask says ma whether you believe that unbaptized infants is goin to be saved why yes he says i do i suspicioned it ma says oh her voice was awful may i ask you just what grounds you have for believin such a thing i don't know as i could tell you just what grounds i have he says but i certainly feel that the god i humbly try to serve is not only just but merciful and if there's anything on earth purer or more like a flower than a little baby he says i don't know what it is whether it's been baptized or not i don't think god cares so much about forms and ceremonies as he does about people's hearts them's the very words he said well resumed matilda after a pause ma was bent on arguin with him about that and baptism by a sprinklin or by immersion and about the lost tribes of israel and goodness knows what else he didn't want to argue and was all the time tryin to change the subject but it was no use 
i never got a chance to say a dozen words to him and finally when he got up to go he says i've had a very pleasant evening and i'd like to come again some time soon if i may he says just like that and before i could say a word ma had said i don't know as we feel ourselves in need of your particular brand of theology she says it's my opinion that you ought to be up before the trustees instead of around calling on faithful members of the church sowing the seeds of doubt in their minds his face turned bright red but he shook hands with ma very polite and with me i've always thought he squeezed my hand a little and he says to me very pleasant good night miss matilda but that was all for ma went to the door with him and banged it shut before he'd got down the steps the day before he went away i met him in the post office accidental and he says miss matilda i've got something for you if you'll accept it and he took me over to one side where there couldn't nobody see us and he gave me his tintype and he says i hope you'll always remember me miss matilda you'll promise not to forget me won't you and i promised she resumed and i ain't i've always remembered there was a long silence then miss matilda cleared her throat light the candle rosemary will you when the tiny flame appeared rosemary saw that the older woman's face was wet with unaccustomed tears she reached down into the bosom of her dress and drew out a small packet which she removed carefully from its many wrappings see she said rosemary leaned over to look at the pictured face the heavy beard did not wholly conceal the sensitive boyish mouth and even the crude art had faithfully portrayed the dreamy boyish eyes i want to ask you something aunt matilda said as she wrapped it up again you're going to be married yourself now and you'll know about such things do you think if it hadn't been for ma it might have been anything rosemary put out the light i'm sure it would she said kindly oh rosemary breathed the other with a quick indrawing of the breath are you truly sure truly said rosemary very softly then she added convincingly you know alden's never been to see me but once and i haven't even a tintype of him and yet we're going to be married that's so i hadn't thought of that i guess you're right then she added generously i'm glad you're going to be married rosemary and i hope you'll be happy you've got it coming to you thank you said rosemary choking a little on the words thank you dear aunt matilda then some way in the dark their arms found each other and their lips met End of chapter twenty four